sort of hard to talk about yourself this way, but I think people do understand that I will listen to them, I will communicate with them, I respect them, um, and that we're in the middle of a, an environment right now where there's just a, not, not an awful lot of that. Pod BN. Elections Edition. Here we go from the Play Normal Esports Studio. This is Pod BN Election Edition. I'm Tyson. I'm Justin. And today's guest is book bike biker, Wesleyan librarian, mayor pro tem, and candidate for Bloomington City Council, Karen Schmidt. Before we talk to Karen, just have a quick word from Justin on Little Beaver Brewery. If you're like me and you like coffee and you like beer, go check out Little Beaver Brewery close to Gold's Gym in Bloomington. Look for their beer called Jitters on draft. It's a cream ale with a hint of coffee. Delicious thing to have after dinner. Check them out. All right. Thanks, Justin. And now we'll say hi to Karen. How you doing? Hi. How you doing today? I'm good. Good. So we like to just start off with letting people uh, tell a little bit about themselves. Um, what, uh, when did you come to Bloomington, and what kind of uh, things are you involved in around here? Um, well, I'm I'm from Niagara Falls. A lot of people don't know that, um, so snow is not a big deal. Um, my family moved down to a very poor part of southeastern Ohio when I was young. Um, and I kept slowly moving my way west. Um, met my husband in Bloomington, Indiana, actually, at Indiana University. And um, we moved here in um, 1979. We were in Columbus at the time, and he, he called me up and asked me what I thought about moving to Bloomington, and I thought he meant Indiana, and I was really excited because I'd never been to Bloomington, Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) So we kept going, and it was pretty flat here for a while. Um, But I've been here now for 40 years, and um, really, really... I'm, I'm not going anywhere. We like it here. It's it's home. It's our home now. So a lot of things have changed in 40 years oh here. My. What stands out as being some of the biggest differences? Um, I, I think just in general, the whole culture of the community has changed. Um, when I came here, I think one of the things that struck me the most about being here was how many um, really well-heeled people there were here and how um, kind of... Um, isolated in a certain way. I mean, it was the structure of the city seemed to be pretty contained. And then State Farm really took off a lot. Um, even, you know, it was growing when my husband started, but it really expanded beyond that. And then we got Mitsubishi and all these. We've got a lot more diversity now. It's a lot, uh, very interesting. So you've been in Bloomington for 40 years, and what you're probably best known for in this race for aldermen anyway is that you've been on the council for 20 of those. I have, yeah. (laughs) Um, That's (laughs) mind-boggling. Before we talk about the last 20, let's talk about the 20 before. So your first 20 years in Bloomington, what were you involved in? What kind of things did you do? What led up to the eventual decision to run for city council? Um, So... I began working at Illinois State University not too long after we moved here um, and then ended up with a job over at University of Illinois in Urbana. Um, I think a lot of people don't know that I ran for um, the 87th District House, 1994, Hmm. um, as a Democrat. I was recruited by the Democratic Party to run against Dan Rutherford, who had been appointed to that seat. 
And at that time, we were living out in the county, um, out deer, out, <clears throat> excuse me, out near Downs, and um, I think they were looking for someone who was an educator, and you know, somebody who was maybe a mom, whatever. Um, and I surprised myself by saying, "Yeah, that sounds pretty interesting." And I <laughs> and I realized, actually, in retrospect, um, this is a lesson for you, Justin. When I was a little girl, I used to um, sit with my dad during presidential debates and stuff. He. He never particularly took sides, but he was interested in politics. So that, that, those are always special moments for me. And I think um, your daughter may have bitten, gotten the bug from <laughs> you so. as well to, you know, having some passion for politics. So I, I ended up doing that. That was uh, my um, son Jacob was just two years old. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, that, it that, was that just, had to be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was a. Fa- it's always been a. The whole family's always been involved, so it's it's been fine. Um, it was a really an interesting experience. I discovered I liked thinking about how you develop policy, how you connect with people. Um, I was amazed that it was really fun to take my kid out in a parade. <laughs> so, and of course, I got you know badly beaten. It was an off year, and yeah, so it's but okay. You learned a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> I did. I really did. And I, um, I, all things being equal, I, I really didn't didn't mind that I did it. I, you know, I just thought it was a very interesting experience. And then, not too many years after that, we ended up buying a house in Dimmitz Grove. Um, and my second son had just been born. And um, Larry Crouch, who was the alderman at the time, found that his job was being transferred up to Wisconsin. And as a result of that, um, he was actually on the ballot. Um, so he left. There was, I was appointed to the position, and then I had to run a writing campaign. Okay. So... What year was the house race? 94. 94. And when we moved into town in, in 97, then um, Mayor Buchanan at the time actually ended up appointing me to the library board. So oh, okay. I, had, I had some board experience there, too. And that, so that 1994 was the last race you lost. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah. yeah. Good track record. Yeah, it's not too bad. That's not too bad. What were you involved in before getting to council? I know um, when your kids are young, it's you're, you're kind of stretched for time, but um, were there any community groups you were involved in? Um, certainly my neighborhood association. Dimmitz Grove is um, a really robust organization now, but I'll tell you, um, there were some early pioneers there, the Eatons, Bob Rossano and Don Lindquist, um, Artie and Jean next door to me. But the first night we were there, I had a four-year-old and a four-month-old surrounded by boxes, called up for pizza, and they wouldn't deliver to that part of town. Um, it was... You know, and I know people kept saying to my husband, what are you doing moving your family there? That's not a good place to live. But we fell in love with the house. And, you know, neighborhoods go up and down house by house. I learned that. And, and you make friends with people like the ones I mentioned, you know, Ken and Carol Cash, and people who had been there a long time and begin to grow a neighborhood and grow a, an association more strongly. And, and that was, um, I often think my whole life changed when I got that front porch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's interesting for me um, to hear that, that 
people saying that's not a good area of town. I mean, I think... Yeah, I mean, 20 years later, look at it. And, right. you know, we... Um, uh, the apartments across the street, the man who owned them um, died unexpectedly, Barry Spitznaz, and didn't want absentee landlords. And so we ended up buying those. We didn't know anything about what we were doing. <laughs> we just knew that we didn't want absentee landlords and, you know, started rehabbing properties and, yeah, huh. and sinking ourselves into the neighborhood. Huh. So what do you attribute? What do you attribute that change to? What was the role of the city in helping improve that situation, and what was the role of the citizens? It was very much city uh, citizen-driven, very much so. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the city... I, I, and actually, I can think of a situation where um, we were fighting the city. Um, the house that was moved um, from Wesley Methodist over... Um, on the corner of, of Gridley and Grove was going to be a, um, a medical center, a little medical office. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, because that's what it was zoned for. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, certainly my husband and I really came out and said, look, <laughs> you know, we, we put everything we own into this neighborhood. This is, you know, this neighborhood's historic. It matters. Yeah. Um, and so we were we were literally fighting City Hall over that. So you guys um, in the area, I think everybody lives in Demons Grove, is known for the history of that neighborhood yeah. and caring about the history of the houses. You now have plaques in front of many of the homes yeah. explaining some of the history. Is that something that you had before you moved to Demons Grove, or did you kind of get that bug about history and local um you know, no, I've always stuff. cared about history. Yeah. I, I'm a librarian, you yeah. know, archives, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I think, you know, I've always had that history bug. I, when my parents moved to um, that little town in Ohio, we bought a house that had been built in the early 1900s and had been vacated by the family. And I was the one out of everybody who went up in the attic. And I, I, in fact, I have to go repatriate these things with the local history museum over there now because, you know, I have, I have scrapbooks and photo, photo albums yeah. and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's and in my DNA. <laughs> and, and I mentioned the plaques that are in front of the houses. So you, the neighborhood is the neighborhood association, I should say, is still doing stuff. It, I mean, oh, the, very the, much so. The neighborhood has, has changed a lot uh, hearing it from you, but it's still progressing. You know, it's still the right. plaques in front uh, are a huge thing. They even got QR codes on them, I think, don't they? Oh, uh, we're getting there. Is, is that is it? okay? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I remember when the plaques got approved and I got to ride my bike down the street and I stopped at every single one to read yeah. every single one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really cool looking houses. And We're really lucky because when um, the city comprehensive plan was written, they asked for a neighborhood to do a, like a beta neighborhood plan. And we were we were the ones who said, we're ready. We're yeah. more than ready. So we have a, a, a formal neighborhood plan that has marketing and that kind of thing in it. So, yeah, strong sense of identity there. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could uh, maybe talk to your neighborhood about writing a, a playbook for other neighborhood associations. In fact, um, our neighborhood association was the model for Founders Grove. Was they it? came to us mm. to say, how did how did how did you get to be so strong and interconnected? Yeah, I mean, because we, we have you know, I mean, you know, I for people that don't know, I live in Karen's Ward, Ward Six, and we have the Miller Park Neighbors Association. Oh, you guys have done a phenomenal job. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been very much the Spears, so <laughs> they, they they deserve a lot of the credit, um, but. Still, I mean, if you compare us to you guys, I mean, it's just, 
we have a long way to go too. Um, yeah, but you're on the same trajectory. You've got you know folks like Leah Klein yeah. who've gone out and um, done a lot of historic preservation work, and I can remember the first time I went around knocking on doors in that neighborhood, and it was a much more of an older generation of people, um, many of whom were like, I'm not sure I want to talk to you. What do you want? Came back, you know, even four years later, and and it was you know younger people were moving in, mm-hmm. and it was you know, going through the regeneration. It was really awesome, and you know, same same story there. Big old tall trees, beautiful homes. I think I think any kind of movement, whether it's a neighborhood association or anything, it starts with people that care. It has to come from the residents. Yeah, it yeah. cannot come top down. Yeah. So we, we don't have one in our neighborhood. We're Eastgate over by. State sure. Farm Corporate. Yeah. Um, we don't currently have one, but there's there's been a guy, Kurt Hudson, he's been putting on block parties every summer. Once, That's awesome. Um, yeah. To try to bring everyone together. And it is a nice community, and I've thought before, uh, you know, there's never any time, but I think we might have <laughs> enough people to get together and make one sometime. I'll, so. I'll tell you from our neighborhood, I mean, some meetings we have four people show up, some meetings we have 24 people show up. Um, so, I mean, yeah. it, it, you have to kind of go with the ebb and flow and people's schedules, especially if you're a younger um, families and that type of thing in your community because then you have to worry about the kids and activities and that kind of thing. The nice thing about neighborhood associations, I think, is that you know they all have that same ebb and flow, but boy, if something starts going south, yeah. that structure's there. Everybody comes to the table and we all fall into, so we know like what a, to do. Yeah, almost yeah. like an interest group for the Yeah, it really is. Yeah, very people, active. So eventually when you get tired of speeding on your street, you start making noise, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's and then it, and, and over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah it's really frustrating. I'm, yeah. I'm very frustrated on your behalf. No, that's all right. We, we have been having some issues uh, with speeding on a couple of the streets in our neighborhood, but uh, we're navigating through it. It's, it's, it's getting hurt. It's going to get better. Yeah. Yes. So, so something, I was, something I wanted to talk a little bit about was... Um, your role as a librarian. I think um, librarian is a job where people think they know what it is, but they don't really know exactly <laughs> what you do. I think they just envision right. you checking books out and showing right. books and things Talk like that. Talk Dewey Decimal to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, could you tell people a little bit about how you spend your days? Um, well, I'm a university librarian, so I have some administrative things that I do on campus, but um, we're very focused. We're, we're faculty members. We teach. We teach critical thinking and information literacy. Um, we meet one-on-one and in classes with students developing research. Um, We hunt down sources, um, curate collections, primary source collections, and going out finding digital collections that support the the, um, uh, departments and and schools at Illinois Wesleyan. And um, I'm the copyright officer, so I get some really interesting copyright and uh, rights and permissions questions. And I'm right now I'm working with a, a music professor who is putting together a CD, and we're working on getting permission for him to record the music. And yeah, so um, yeah, there's a lot of things people don't necessarily think about. We spend a lot of time thinking about digital preservation and how we keep that for the next you know generation. Yeah, so you're, you're a you're an academic. I am an academic, yeah. yeah. I've, I've written a lot. I have a couple books. Yeah. yeah. Um, how does that compare to the experience of public librarians? Um, well, it's you know comes from the same sort of sense of service, but it, at Illinois Wesleyan, for example, our population is very 
um, it's it's very focused. So at Bloomington Public, um, like just the way it was when I was at University of Illinois, it's a wide open door, and you don't know who's going to come in and what their needs are, and it could be the entire range. Um, you know, people who are simply there for the internet, whereas at Illinois Wesleyan, it's you know students, staff, faculty, yeah. and, a, and a few community members. That's something I found fascinating. Um, my wife has a master's in library science, so when she was going through her program learning a lot, I learned a lot as well. Yeah. The, the function of public libraries as a social service um, yes. is very fascinating to me, especially as there's less support for um, the needs of homeless and the poor than they find a place that has... You know, heat <laughs> that uh, right, and 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 access to internet. I mean, how else are you going to apply for a job, for example? Yep, or yeah. like you know, try to find out how to pay a parking ticket or find right. out what the bus schedule is. That's and, right. Um, or learn a new skill. I think that's something. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, I, I've always said we confuse um, college with education sometimes. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it's, you right don't need too. a degree to educate yourself, and that's what the public libraries are there for is if you have someone that wants to learn a skill to get a job, that's a good resource to go to there too. I don't think people in this community think very much about how much of a digital divide we have in, in Bloomington and Normal. It's... Um, you know, that's why District 87 has their, their program to make sure that, you know, some, some children have access to laptops and, and the Internet at home. It's, um, you know, I, we, at the West Bloomington Revitalization Project, we have Chromebooks available because, you know, sometimes people need to do work. They don't maybe want to go all the way over to Olive Street to the library, and they can pop in and do some things. And even, uh, and kids, too. Uh, just even uh, technology aside, just even having a stable, quiet place to do their homework. That's right. I think sometimes my oldest son's in third grade and his homework load has started to get pretty heavy this year. Right. And um, sometimes I think about how it's challenging for him to get enough quiet just with his two brothers and our dog <laughs> to be able to focus yeah, on what he's imagine. doing. And we have a pretty stable home environment. If we were a family that was transient or having housing issues or right. doing shift work, um, you know, he, he might, he, it would be so hard for him to do what he needed to do through no fault of his own. Right. And having the library be a place to have that Stability. Um, I mean, I don't. Know, third grader can't go to the library by themselves, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Like I do. I, I I spend time at Boys and Girls Club. I'm on their advisory council, and you know, you go over there after school, you see really important work going on, mm-hmm. and, and not not just academic work, but you know, sort of getting along and that kind of thing. It's an amazing organization. Yeah, it is. So, so how how has your professional career, as well as you, you said you serve some time on the library board, um, how's how did that Where's the leap to city council? I think about the alderman's job very much as service work as well. Um, I think one of the most important things I can do is is to communicate. One of the things that they teach you when you're working on your master's degree in library and information science is um, never to try to prejudge what somebody asks you for. They could be coming up and saying, you know, I... I'm looking for Shakespeare's, you know, whatever, fifth sonnet or whatever. And what they're really looking for is something else entirely. Maybe they want love poems, but, you know, they sometimes people come with one thing and their need is something else. And I, I see that play out all the time. You know, somebody stop you and say, 
they want to talk about one thing and you know, 10 minutes later they're really telling you what, what's on their mind. So so that kind of back and forth yeah. is, um, it gives me an opportunity to listen deeply to people and then also um, to try to pull that together into some something that, that might influence city policy or city resources in some way. So speaking with people, I think that leads to this uh might be an answer to this next question too, but what is something that, tell me something the job of alderman is compared to what people think it is? Um, hmm, that's a really interesting question. Um, so I think uh, the job of an alderman has a lot to do with policy, as, as one of my fellow aldermen would say. We um, we talk about the what's, and the city staff think about how it gets done. Um, so I've heard some people make comments about something that a city staff member didn't do, and they're like, well, why didn't you just tell them to do it? They don't report to me. They report to the city manager, and I'm one of ten voices telling the city manager, gee, I wish this particular staff member would have handled this this way and not that way, or you know, add this to their portfolio of duties. Yeah. I see when people are critical of council members that, or just politicians in general, I think that some of that comes from the council being not comprised of people with the same exact skill set as the person doing the criticizing. So <laughs> if someone has a... That's probably a good observation. If yeah. someone has a financial or accounting background, they're going to say, like, why don't they... Dive into the finances more. Why aren't they asking yes. more probing questions about the budget? Yeah. If they're a sales background, they're like, the marketing is horrible. No one's talking enough about the stuff. Um, you know, small business owners, they want the, or, you know, business people in general, they, they you know, want the city to function like a business because they're proud of how their business runs and they want right. to see that. And um, it's, and then you take a step back and you can't expect somebody running for, someone being on city council to have, all of those skill sets in abundance. You bring to the table what you have, and you try to do the best you can with that, and right. uh, supplement with, um, you know, supplement where you need to, right? Right. And we have nine other people on council. Each of us brings something different to the table. So if we're listening to each other, and we're listening to the people we represent, then we, you know, we can we can get it right most of the time. So that's been a criticism of Bloomington Council um, over the past couple years is um, communication within council, um, listening to each other, at least from an outside perspective mm -hmm. um, of people thinking that there's, I don't know what you want to call it, rifts between the council. I mean, we've seen that reported in other media outlets. What can you say about that? Is, is that true, for first of all? Um, and how has it been in your experience over the last couple months? So I think... Um, I would say in the past that it's certainly fair to say that we um, have had our conversations just out in the open and out loud. Um, you know, so democracy is messy um, to begin with, but, you know, sometimes I think about, so my, my father came from a family of 13 and my mother came from a family of 12, so we think about Thanksgiving dinners at our, at our house, in, you know, in Niagara Falls, and it was, you know, pretty much, you know, Uncle Joe wasn't going to talk to Aunt Lois. And Now I know why your dad didn't take a side when he was watching the debate. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He'd rather watch civilized debates on TV, yeah. exactly. Um you know, and it's close to Canada, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly close right. Close enough to be nice. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I think that there, 
It's interesting because, um, you know, we've recently hired a new city manager who is um, very keen on making sure before we have conversations in council that he really understands all the nuances and the concerns and questions. And we didn't always necessarily have that in the in the past. So we would have meetings where our questions, where we'd be walking in without having had that opportunity to to air our questions and get them kind of synthesized by the city manager and let the mayor understand what our questions were. So we'd have those conversations um, kind of in isolation, and I think it probably looked um, and felt sometimes pretty chaotic. So what I'm hearing you say, um, and please correct me, but is that you feel more prepared um, since Tim's been on um, during council meetings because you've ha- already had an opportunity to get some questions answered and have more of your colleagues know where each other's coming from before the meeting starts. Sure. So, and, you know, like the revision to the zoning ordinance that you guys have been slaving over for two years is a good example. Um, you know, I know that Mr. Gleason's going to have three-on-one meetings with us. You know, he's not going to just push that out onto a council agenda and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of wants to know, you know, our... Um, you know, what are we thinking about two or three different issues, and are there potholes, no pun intended, <laughs> that, um, that, that he could possibly work out ahead of time? Yeah. Um, so, so we'll get some feedback from that, and the public will as well, because, you know, because that'll be information that gets shared. That's just much more productive. It's very <laughs> much more productive. You know, I, when we hired Mr. Hales, um, he came with a very strong financial background, and that's what we needed at that time. We couldn't even make payroll when he came. Yeah. Um, and and he set us on a much better fiscal footing, and now we've got Mr. Gleason, and I think he was an excellent hire, and um, yeah. He, he does seem, he, he just seems to, um, from an outsider looking in, I guess, it seems like more is getting done quicker. He's since, very since decisive, he's and I give him a lot of credit for assessing um, where how how staff departments and units are are working together productively or not, and can he put something together in a different way? Um, and he just hired uh, what's the correct title? A, a deputy city De- manager. Deputy city manager. Billy Tyus. And I met, I met Billy briefly the other day at mm-hmm. Coffee Hound, <laughs> um, which is where I tend to meet a lot of people. But um, what can you tell me about him? Is it, he's coming from the same community that Tim came from, right? Right. So they've worked together before. Yeah. He. Um, I personally, I haven't spent any time with him, and I'm looking forward to getting to know him better on that level. I understand he has very strong economic development background. Um, he seems very energetic and, and, you know, sort of full of positive energy, and um, yeah. What's the difference between the deputy city manager and assistant city manager? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> a title. Yeah, a uh, word. I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know if there yeah. was a change in, change in job duties or... Um, um, I know Tim envisions this, so so when David was there and had um, Mr. Steve Rasmussen there, he actually had in his portfolio, portfolio there were specific departments that reported to him. Okay. Billy is going to be, as Tim calls him, a chief of staff. So okay. He's going to be um, kind of the, the point guard, so to speak, on yeah. all of this. Yeah. No, that makes sense. The three-on-one meetings you describe are interesting to me um, as I've 
gotten on planning commission and learned about the Open Meetings Act. Mm-hmm. Um, that act is very interesting to me because I feel like it's it is so important for a transparency standpoint. Yes, it is. Very that much so. We don't have secret meetings going on. Right. Um, but there is a downside where there are some times when you just need to talk honestly and confidentially with the people who are around you and be able to maybe say something that will cause you to learn something else, right? You right. need to like say, here's what's on my mind. It probably doesn't make sense, but here's what I'm thinking. Exactly. Correct me. Right. Um, or not even being, you know, not even being self-aware enough to realize that you're way off the beaten path, but you're just like... You're right, yeah, because just, you only know a slice of something. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. state your opinion openly, and um, and I could see a real hesitancy to do that in a public forum where you're being recorded and that can be, you know, held against you. <laughs> and, um, and is. <laughs> and, yeah, it can and, and will be held against you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to have those more private conversations first to get those, like, big picture kind of wonderings and get some information in there and then you can have your whole um, whole council conversation broader when everyone's kind of more informed and got the guardrails yeah. up a little bit. It's critical, I think, for the city manager to do his job. So this is a chance to help him understand how um, how things how procedures develop, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I like that's that's happening now is whenever whenever we would have three and ones in the past, it was always the same three people. And I you know, I mean, I may never ever get a chance to sit down and talk with Diana Hellman or Amelia or Mboka, um, just you know, in a little bit more quiet setting. So when I have a three-on-one, I don't know who those other people are going to be. It's just a luck of the draw, and you, you, you begin to mix up some if you're, in, in a good way. If you're meeting with the same people all the time, I think that's a yeah uh, echo chamber. Well, yeah, you start, but that's how coalitions start to happen too, right? Because yeah, not, those three yeah. don't know what the other three are talking about. You only hear what's reported to you. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, no, that was not productive to me, and I kept I kept sort of railing against that and saying, "Can we mix this up a little bit?" Yeah. But. As so, we are now. <laughs> um, we're getting close to the halfway point, and so what we usually like to do is do a lightning round. So, All right. Um, uh, I'll say a word. You tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. It does not have to be a one-word answer. Uh, just short would be would be good. And if we want to expand on it, we'll just do so after the break. All okay. right. Uh, first one is TIF district. Um, productive. Grossinger Arena. Challenging. Downtown Bloomington. Uh, potential. Eastland Mall. Potential. <laughs> Mayor Renner. Energetic. Urban Sprawl. Um, not good. All right. Uh, <laughs> we'll take a quick break and hear from a sponsor, and we'll be back right with Karen Schmidt. So, Justin, being here at Play Normal Esports reminds me about how the other day I tried Fortnite for the first time. Yeah, how'd that one go? It, it did not go well. I ran around in a field for a while. I eventually found a gun, wasn't sure how to shoot it, and then uh, found someone else, and they promptly shot me, and it, it ended. Uh, so, Well, if you need practice... I know a place. Yeah, <laughs> come over here and practice with these kids. I actually asked my eight-year-old. I said, uh, "I was like, I just played Fortnite. And it didn't go well." He said, "Dad, it's probably because you're a noob." <laughs> so I think if you want to learn how to play Fortnite from some really smart eight, nine, and ten-year-olds, uh, or anything else you want to do, video gaming, come over to play normal esports and get your game on. 
Okay, Karen, uh, I asked uh, what your platform was when we started here, and uh, we've got four things written down here. Infrastructure, economic development, downtown, and transportation. So kind of more topics or themes or issues confronting the city. Um, I'm interested in hearing a bit about infrastructure. You're the only incumbent that's running right now, right. and you've been on the council, like we said, for 20 years at this yeah. point. So um, it seems like things aren't the best as far as our roads and sewers. And so um, have things, how have things gone for the last 20 years, and how would you like to see them change in the future? So um, I, th I think we're on a much better path than we've been in the past. We have um, street plans, street master plans, sidewalk plans. Um, I think our comp plan has taken us away from a lot of the sprawl. So money that we might have put into um, deferred maintenance in our older parts of town ended up going into you know subdivisions that are out on the east side, and you know that's that was a, a real imbalance um, that I, I I think you know the people who were on the council at the time, myself included, did not realize what some of those agreements with developers were, or what the financial impact was. So you know I think we've at least got on the right side of that policy issue, um, we are putting more money every year into infrastructure. We're doing it in a deliberative way so that um, we're doing water and sewer and then the streets so we're not digging things up. Um, we've made headway with our state legislators, so, you know, look at what happened with Center Street and, you know, that kind of thing. Very, very grateful for that that kind of forward motion. Um, I, I can remember when the arena was built, so much money went into that that the only street work that we did was around... Um, around like Lee Street and West Grove Street, and that was paid for by CDBG money. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think, you know, we're able to, to leverage um, the community development block grant money um, in, in some neighborhoods, um, certainly some in my ward, and, um, you know, we're, we're beginning to see that, that maybe we're focusing money on neighborhoods specifically that need it. And I think there's also some some value in pulling all that money together into one neighborhood instead of a street here and a street there. Is, isn't the, uh, or has it been the way in the past where the budget for infrastructure and street repair has been broken up evenly between wards? It has been, and um, even even in the current fiscal year, and I think many of us are saying we want that to change. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I get fair. I get the fair point, but um, well, it's, I don't. I don't know if that's exactly fair, right? I if, don't think it's <laughs> fair, and um, you know, I. I mean, I. It, it blows my mind. I live in a house that was built in 1885. We got our first public sewer last year. Right. Right, and and we're just you know a couple blocks that you know, are near the center of town, and, and you just think about all the streets that are out there, and, you know, you, you can go neighborhood by neighborhood, and I think it would be much more productive, and I actually think that it would also um, go a long way to improving our older neighborhoods. Absolutely. And, and improving our economic development yeah, infrastructure. We have a phrase at home with my kids that fair's not everyone getting the same thing. Fair's everyone getting what they need. That's exact. That's a great phrase. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, when I when we think about the shared sewer storm drain, 
stuff. Combined sewer mm-hmm. overflow, combined, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I Not real- very sexy stuff, but CSOs are really important. I, yeah. I, I didn't realize how weird that was. So that's when, <laughs> uh, is that when, like, if it gets to be raining a certain intensity, that the sewer and the rain lines mix, and then sewerage could start backing up and yeah. screwing up? Yeah. In people's homes, yeah. yeah. In, in these older homes. communities, yeah. 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 For Which example, not- in Eastgate, that was an issue for a while. Was it? Okay. Yeah. 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 That's which is <laughs> I mean, it's ideal. crazy to think about that, that, and that's still there. So, I, I mean, logically, I think Jamie Matthew, Alderman, uh, Alderman for Ward 1, has, has spoken about this. That's the first thing I think we should do with infrastructure is the sewers before we start worrying about some streets, right? I mean, just right. the order of things. <laughs> right. And, you know, we've been doing more in-house. Um, so we've been taking some of the, the uh, patching and doing it in-house, which saves us money. We've been doing the overlay, which preserves the streets more. Um, you know that it's it's not that miraculous overnight, but it's just like dieting. You know, you didn't you didn't gain twenty pounds overnight. You're not going to lose twenty pounds overnight. But I I really feel that we all recognize that this is an issue. Um, I also you know I was struck the other day. I was talking with somebody who was complaining about coming into Bloomington from the north and what a terrible job Normal and Bloomington had done coming on, you know, down Main Street, and I'm thinking, yeah, but that's an IDOT street. Yeah, yeah. So we take a lot on the chin we do. sometimes for things we, we can't control, but, you know, we can advocate for. At least once a year, I, I have to make some kind of post on Facebook or a conversation with friends about the difference between state and local roads. Yeah, and it's frustrating, yeah. Um, um, because they're our busiest ones, right? Route 9, Market Street, Main Street, they Veterans are. Parkway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so what... With, go ahead, sorry. So with uh, infrastructure, you got sewers and streets. What else falls into that category for you? Sidewalks. Oh, my goodness, yeah. We, we still have sidewalks that you can mow, <laughs> um, and, that, and that, that's a bad sidewalk. And then ADA accessibility. Um, we have a, an amazing sidewalk technician in the city, Steve Arney, who's done a, a really terrific job um, prioritizing, you know, really paying attention to where, where the greatest need is. Um, and you know, really, I mean, all you have to say to him is, "Look, we've got somebody in this com- in this particular neighborhood who's got you know this kind of disability or a wheelchair or whatever, and, and it's on his list." But you know, we still have a lot to do there. And when when you're talking about streets and sewers and stuff, I know you've also uh, expressed interest in technology and infrastructure. Right. So when you're redoing a street or a sewer, it seems like a prime time to think about, you know, laying conduit to help with fiber optics or whatever it might be. Right. Um, Yeah. I I was saying to Jamie Matthew the other day, once we passed the technology commission as a new commission, that it was probably 15 years ago, I sat down in a a room with Dave LaLand, who was the founder of A5 and... Dave's World, right? Dave's World, yeah. yeah. And um, and we talked about downtown Bloomington and all the the vaults that are underneath downtown Bloomington and how you could just make downtown Bloomington light up. You know, we really could be the, you know... um, Silicon Prairie kind of environment there, and and we haven't done that. Um, we will. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm really glad to have Jamie's voice on on the on the council. So why haven't we done that um, in the past? I mean, what what's been the hurdle that we haven't been able to overcome to make some of those things happen? I don't think that we've had enough council members who have really understood how important technology is to our future. Okay. 
Um, now I think there's a lot of different threads that come together. We've got the chamber and, and EDC working on workforce development. Um, got a lot of interest in, you know, with with Heartland and Youth Build, trying to work to you know to to build our, our workforce among our younger populations. So. And we have, you know, Metronet now is in town as a competitor. They're getting closer to my house. Yeah, they, apparently <laughs> they've made it to mine. And yeah. Yeah, haven't taken the plunge yet. <laughs> there were a bunch of flags right before the polar vortex came. They yeah. said they were going to come and dig, and then that got delayed. But I'm anxiously awaiting. And, we, you know, we've got Servant. Servant is just an amazing um, collaborative. And it's straight at Central Illinois Regional Broadband Network. And it goes straight up Main Street. Hmm. You know, it's um, very, very, very robust fiber access. So um, Wesleyan was able to hook into it. Um, Part of the city is involved. I mean, the city's part owner, so to speak. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, talked about... You mentioned downtown, um, doing stuff down there to improve it. Uh, I'll steal Justin's thunder here because Justin always talks about downtown task force. I might have a few things to talk about with downtown. But yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> One or two. <laughs> let's, let's switch to that one then. Um, so I've I've really been paying cl- close attention to the local issues for the last couple of years. Sure. Um, and a big part of that conversation over the last few years has been about downtown. There was the downtown task force that created the report. And um, just... I think all the attention, all the air got sucked out of the room by the the library um, Market Street conversation, right. and um, me as an outsider just haven't seen any progress on anything um, going on there. So, why do you think there hasn't been more done to implement those ideas? And then, um, what do you hope to see in, in your next term if you're elected? So. Uh- I think that's a really good question, and it's incredibly frustrating to me. Um, There are some very not simple, they're clearly not simple. If they were really simple, we would have done them. But, you know, there are some some baseline things that we don't seem to get our hands around, uh, things like uh, trash and parking and, um, you know... so much conversation about around this and... and, um, it's, I, I, I am, I, I don't know. Why isn't it simple? I mean, <laughs> uh, well, it should be, it, it should be simple. Right. I, and I mean, I'm just speaking, obviously I'm not on council and I don't understand all of the um, intricacies that go into these kind of decisions, but we've, we have increased recycling. There's more recycling bins downtown than there was a year ago. Right. Um, that being said, I remember when that conversation was happening and we were said, well, you got, you don't understand how much. A recycling can is. And I didn't. They told me the price. It was way more than I anticipated it would be. However, I know how much a can of blue spray paint costs, and I know that we have, that we have recycling or we have garbage cans. Exactly. Um, so I, I I don't know why we always have to look at a problem and say this is the most difficult solution and it's the only solution we can have. So with garbage, that's been uh, brought up multiple times on different forums. I mean, it's it's a community dumpster. It's we take a space and we put a dumpster there. Absolutely. That, and, um, and you get people like Herb Eaton. Um, he's sent photos to me that I've passed on of other communities that have, you know, actually really 
nice looking enclosures yes. for these community dumpsters and you know the mentality is there we recycle and um, you know we our uh, city code is written so that landlords in the downtown do not have to necessarily provide for dumpsters and things you know consequently all the trash shows up on the corners and um, you know I've heard plenty of solutions um, to that parking lots and lots of great ideas coming out of the Doug Farr report and you know and generations of that um, I had a really um, sort of reassuring conversation I guess with uh, Mr. Gleason the other day about this uh, yeah. let, let's just get a few of these fundamental things done we we tend to get diverted in into um, sort of what turned into noisy conversations about downtown hotels yeah. or you know do we turn the market street garage into something else and as a result of that sometimes we're kind of not doing our basic housekeeping and it's frustrating that's been since i served on the task force um the things that the, the couple things that i keep bringing up that if we just do these things downtown i think you will see a tremendous difference mm-hmm. is the garbage that has to be taken care of yeah. um uh, that's especially frustrating because the, the city picks it up every day, I think, uh, out of those bins. But, you know, let's take a, a day where a lot of people might come downtown shopping because they're off work like a holiday. Right. Guess who else is off work? You know, they're not getting picked up downtown either. So you have this overflowing, blowing garbage. Um, the other thing is lighting. I think we have to do a better job of lighting up our downtown um, to make and that's going to help it feel more safe. Um, again, I don't think it's unsafe now, but I think the perception of a brighter downtown at night would help and the last thing is to make it more uh, this goes along with our conversation we had with david shields in downtown about public art um yes. you know we have a great job of murals and, and the painted electrical boxes but why not paint the crosswalks why not um, I'm, I'm with you all do, the do way. some of those and again yeah. I, I don't think any of the things i named need to be a huge commission that needs to <laughs> pull yeah. these things through i think i think the city manager can pull council see if there's a if they're yeah. on board with it and then get yeah. the job done fairly I, simply i yeah i and i couldn't agree more with you i'm on the downtown bloomington association design committee and it took us a long time just to get a traffic control box painted yeah um because it's outside the realm of of what a good traffic control box code might be or something. Sure. I'm not really yeah. sure. There was concern that it, that people would be have their attention diverted and we'd have accidents. Yeah. Well, we didn't. We don't. And people are going, "Wow, that's that's cool." And we, yeah. we should be we should be painting all of our crosswalks. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's it's and, and it builds community at the same time. Absolutely. So, do you, so where do you see the um, the lack of momentum coming from is it uh, is it a staff thing that you're hopeful that um, that Mr. Gleason can help out with is it a like a council vision thing where were there too many on the council who seemed lukewarm about it where there wasn't clear direction um, you know where, where's the Where's the hope coming from for us for some painted crosswalks? Um, <laughs> well, I think we have to have agreement um, among the council with with Mr. Gleason and and with the city manager. And I think this is a city manager who's a lot more interested in. It, you'll you'll sit in a meeting with him and and bring up something like you know trash or whatever, and he'd say, "Well, why hasn't it been done?" Mm-hmm. We, so that's our question. Yeah, right. <laughs> but so I mean, let's find be, a solution. I yeah. mean, he's he's a solutions oriented guy, and I appreciate that about him. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't. The, the purpose wasn't to try to get you to say negative things about <laughs> people before. Um, I think 
it probably goes back to your point of saying that um, David Hales was brought in for financial acumen, and that doesn't that's not someone who is adept at you know pub- public art in a downtown, right. right? Right. And so you move past that challenge, and now you look at her other challenges and um, a different skill set for right. that, perhaps. Right. right. So. Uh, Looking, the most interesting uh, part about this race for me uh, in your in your ward is that you are the incumbent, twenty years served on on, on city council. Your challenger is someone relatively new um, to the local political scene. I mean, she's sure. definitely been uh, Jen Curio has been, you know, in media and has been heard of over the last couple of years. But sure. um, what is some things that your experience over the last 20 years will help with over the next four. Um, may, what what does your experience bring to the table as we're looking towards the future? So um, that, that's a it's actually a question that I ask myself. Um, once you hit a mark like 20 years, you certainly think, well, you know that that was I I've, I've enjoyed my 20 years and overall it's you know it's been good and is there really any value to keep going? And, you know, is it time for change, that kind of stuff? Because right. we don't own these seats. And, and anybody who thinks that they do is, <laughs> they're going to be disabused of that notion right away. Um, I was really surprised at the number of people who asked me to step up again. And it really made me go back and rethink uh, about why I wanted to do this. I'm, I'm, every time I've run, like, you know, do I have the passion for this? Do I have the energy? Will my family still talk to me? Do I have a lot of curiosity about things? Am I always ready to learn and listen? Um, but when I would ask people, well, why do you think I should do that? Pretty much that answer, I think, um, and it's sort of hard to talk about yourself this way, but I think people do understand that I will listen to them, I will communicate with them, I respect them, um, and that we're in the middle of a, an environment right now where there's just a not, not an awful lot of that. So maybe they want somebody who has, who has some history, has some stability, who... Um, who is inclusive in decision making and um, respectful, what? and ma- and so maybe that that helps us as a community to be collaborative and, and move us you know past we're in the midst ourselves of economic disruption so you know how do we move ahead with that? So looking back, what has been uh, some of your most proud moments over your last twenty years, and then uh, counter that too? What have been some of the things that either disappointments or said differently? Maybe some things you wish you would have gotten done that you haven't. Because um, I mean, twenty years is certainly a long time to serve on a city council. Yeah, sure so, is. so you know, you've got to have some things that you can look back on and say, "Gosh, I'm proud of that." And then also, man, I wish I would have went differently. So, uh, probably the the one vote that made me most emotionally, I was just emotional about it. I was really proud of it. Was passing the human the human rights ordinance. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something Mike Matika had tried to pass in the in the past and didn't have the votes. Um, but it was the right time for it, and you know. So can that, you explain that for? Uh, oh, um, so that that's the ordinance really that that is inclusive. It's you know some people refer to it as the gay rights ordinance, okay. but um, it's you know it 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 really ended any. It, legis- it legislatively ended any um, kind of discrimination that we might have seen. Okay. Um, as far as, like, city uh, yeah. practices. Okay. Right. And, and you know, also just, you know, yeah, in, in terms of, of not just employment practices, but how our ordinance 
ordinances and our procedures might read for, say, tenants' rights and those kinds of things, and rental inspections, and, you know, human human relations commission sorts of things. Um, certainly, the one of the hardest decisions uh, or votes was uh, had to do with the um, the Coliseum. Hmm. That was um, that that. You know, wow, and and we're still living with that one. Yeah. Did you vote for or against that? I voted against it. Okay. Um, I thought I remembered hearing everyone who voted for it um, yeah, didn't they, make it through the next election. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Um, Do you feel like the concerns about that that led you to vote no are the same issues that are confronting absolutely. it now? Absolutely. Absolutely. It it should not have been a city-owned facility. I, I. Um, I talked off the record with a couple people in State Farm Investments to say, you know, if if you were offered the opportunity to invest in this or to, you know, really to become the the owners of this, knowing what we all know now, would you do it? And they were like, you know, don't quote me, but no, you know, um, you <laughs> so, know. So the rumors now that um, I think the mayor has come out and said that there's people interested. Um, at least on a high level of possibly yeah, purchasing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have, I've not heard that, and even, even quietly, I've not heard that. But, but does I, the idea excite you a little bit to get it um, off? The yeah, I think we'd have to be realistic. I doubt that we'd be made whole. Right. Um, you know, we'd probably still be paying that mortgage, but then maybe we wouldn't be also adding on the loss of. You know, revenue and all the other things we have. And we to would cover. still have the economic impact from the surrounding but, it. Yeah, know, so. and we have an awful lot of opportunity here. I, I, um, I think this is one of those things where we could easily crowdsource some ideas here. Um, I've heard some amazing ideas uh, for things that we can do, and I've also, you know, we got folks like Rory at the Castle Theater who said. <laughs> I know this business. I could help bring you some business. You know, give me a buck off a ticket or, you know, whatever yeah. that might be. I mean, we have talented people in this community that could help us and that, that place re-envision does an amazing this. amazing job. Yeah, the was, castle does an amazing job. Oh, it's incredible. Job. I was just yeah, there last night. Um, looks like they've done some work on the inside, too. It's opened yeah. it up a lot more now, too. It's, yeah. it's really, really a great place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, that, that just to expand on that just a little bit, it, there's something to be said there when that, Theater is packed on a weekly basis. Yeah, you see uh, them down the street, right, waiting Thursday, in line Friday, in the Saturday, snow. <laughs> sometimes Sunday, <laughs> yeah. And the arena doesn't get that and, kind of traction. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, of course, the other part of the arena is the opportunity to do more with youth and youth sports. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So I have wondered with the arena. Um, someone pointed out this idea. I mean, it's kind of been rattling around in my head. It, exactly to what you said is, um, is there a, is there a skill set? Is there a group of people in this community who could come together to help, like, help make it successful? Like, barring that we can't get rid of it, right? Um, city staff isn't necessarily equipped uh, to run a sports okay. arena. That's yeah. not it. Uh, so if that's either a staff position or um, a commission or, like, if there's a board over it or something like that, to just really take the time of people who are committed to, like, making that place a success, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it seems it's an interesting idea to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, BCPA had that for a while. We had a, a citizen sort of a recommendation group, so to speak, you know, where they would really talk about what kinds of shows and plays and acts and, you know, mm -hmm. who was the audience and, yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's been pointed out 
the other idea that I've heard that's really appealing to me is if it's going to be a public facility, then let's let's lean into that more. Like if it really is something where we're dropping tax dollars into it on a regular basis, then yeah. is there um, is there public services that we can run out of there? Is there yeah. like more um, like one time a couple of years ago there was a, like the West Bloomington Revitalization Product Project. I think today um, like a cook off there. We did, yeah we for the last two years taste we've done West. our taste of yeah, the West. Yeah, taste of the West. I mean yeah. that. But, I mean, it was kind of in, like, a side hallway when I went and sort of cramped in there. Like, and last there... year it was on the—or this past year it was on the floor. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. But you know, more things like that where the community can come in and, and use it as a community space, um, that, you know, that, that appeals to me as well. Right. But, you know, probably what people don't realize is that um, because we've got Venue Works as the management, the city ends up actually having to, quote-unquote, oh, so pay Venue Works to rent that. Yeah. So they comped us the rent. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um, yeah. I know everyone has their arena ideas, but while we're talking <laughs> yeah. about it, I'll just throw mine out into the world. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. see, I mean, I think we could probably come up with some really amazing ideas if we did that. Yeah, cool. Um, anything else come to mind to Justin's question? Um, something that you wish would have gotten done? or? Um, well, I mean, I think the elephant in the room is the whole welcoming city thing. And, you know, I... If I ever get a tattoo, it will be um, no good deed goes unpunished, probably translated into Latin, because um, yeah. I think people have lost sight of the fact that I was the alderman who sent in the aldermanic request form so we could start this conversation two years ago, because yeah. I think it's an important conversation for us to have. Um, and over the course of two years, I've been sort of, you know, made the villain and demonized by this, and, and I, um, it's... it's um, it's a matter of tactics, and it's unfortunate that we couldn't have the conversations that many of us thought we needed to have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at some point we'll have those conversations, whether I'm on the council or not. I think, you know, that there's just so much confusion and anger, and, um, you know, it, it turned into something that was incredibly divisive when it could be something that's productive. And last, last I heard, it was on Chief Wheeler's. Uh, responsibility to write uh, fill, fill in the gaps for me because I'm not remembering right. So we were um, about to, I think it was last summer I think we were at a point where we were talking about a, a, some some new version of an ordinance or a resolution and the mayor decided that the best thing for the whole community was for him to ask the chief of police to come up with procedures that really spelled out what this ordinance or resolution would do. And so the chief has done that. That that has been done. That has been done. And I think, you know, fair criticism from ACLU that we, you know, we as a city could have pushed that out more. Yeah. And made sure everybody was aware of it, and yeah, that, that there was, was more completed. conversation around it because it's it, it's a hot topic everywhere, um, I, not I, just in Bloomington Normal, but everywhere. So, what was his conclusion? Um, was there any like overarching conclusion of the policy and procedures? Um, well, it it very much it parallels what normal is doing, um, and it it sets into place a, a process where if if any uh, officer out in the field is in a situation where they'd have to contact ICE, that you know there's a process for for having that reviewed so that there's you know there's not the sense that there's a, a free wheel kind of I can just. Yeah. Contact somebody. Yeah. Joel Studebaker 
his position is that normal doesn't truly have a welcoming ordinance um, and that more needs to be done to limit that. Um, were you, along those lines, were you satisfied with what you saw from Chief Wheeler, or do you still think that there is a need to, um, to do more? Where I, where I want this conversation to go is for it to be a, a broader conversation. The city can do so much, but I've, I've looked at other um, communities who've signed on to Welcoming America. So Welcoming Dayton is probably the, the gold star of this. And the city can take part of that, but it's the faith community, it's community leaders. Um, I, I absolutely do not agree that we can have an ordinance that tells the police what to do um, and when they can consult or contact or work with ICE and when they can't and then think we're done because we're not done. Um, I, you know, I had last year I had a student, a, a Chinese student uh, at Wesleyan who came running into my office first thing in the morning and he had been... Um, I don't want to go into the details, but he'd been threatened and, and accosted in, in Franklin Park. And he really did not know what to do, but it was clear that it, it was racial. And I got him in touch with Bloomington police, who were wonderful. Um, but, you know, to begin to think about ourselves as having, uh, to uh, being a community that has some compassion, that we're welcoming, for, you know, welcoming in an economic way, and um, you know that we understand each other. We, we can't even come to an understanding of, of of language of the terms that we're talking about, of legal versus illegal, and you know, so a simple ordinance doesn't change that. And, and regardless of the ordinance and what language is in that ordinance, I don't think the conversation ever ends because it's evolving, right? So. Uh, yep. There's a there's a group up in Normal actually who's taken that idea and and they've been working on it for over a year now. I think they're, you know, probably waiting for the April elections to get over because you don't want yes. this thing politicized. It 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 transcends politics. The welcoming Dayton approach. Um, I'm familiar with that. I've looked into that. Um, I think I heard about it in PR. I can't remember if it was GLT or, or national, but um, I think the, the 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 scope of that was fascinating to me to think yeah. about. Um, it's something I'm sympathetic to because I I came to this country when I was 18, and Where'd I still you come s- from uh, the Netherlands. Oh, okay. Um, I, but I'm American. And my parents worked for the military over sure, there. Sure, right. So I mean, I have a lot of advantages. I've got I'm a citizen. Um, I speak the language. But even with that, there's just a lot of things culturally that you just don't understand and that you need people to explain to you. Um, I'm probably have the smoothest immigration situation possible. Mm. Um, but you know, there are just still there are hiccups like where do you get a driver's license from (laughs) Um, absolutely I didn't have a driver's license when I was 18 how does that work you know Um, as an example and the welcoming Dayton approach uh, if I remember properly it's it's been a few months since I looked at it but you know it's um, how do you start a business how do you pay your taxes how do you um, find language courses how do you get help when things are um, you know if you think you've been wronged or something if your landlord is trying to take advantage of you I mean there's a lot to being a welcoming community Uh, relationship with the police force is one piece Um, but it 
I don't know. It, it's very personally compelling to me, I guess. I I, yeah. I, we had um, somebody who was going to rent one of our apartments next door who was working with people from Democratic Republic of the Congo, and I hadn't really realized how many people we have in this community who speak Why? French, very, who yeah. are trying to figure out exactly what you're talking about, you know, navigating how do I get groceries, and, you know, I want to open a restaurant. Who do I talk to, and what in the world do I do in the government center to get from one office to another. I mean, I I look at my experience of opening my office in downtown and how difficult <laughs> oh, that... please don't. <laughs> but, but, but how difficult that no, was for me. Yes, right? yes. You know? We yeah. need to um, make that so much easier. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. It's so, part of economic development, yeah. I did just have one more thing on the, yeah, on the welcoming ordinance. Um, so when you say have more conversation, I think um, it would, I think some might hear that as just being we need more delay like where yeah, I what understand is this that that is probably yeah. what it sounds like but there so, is a structure that we yeah. can hook to so to, so talk a little bit about when you say having more conversation like where do those conversations take place like what's the forum and uh, like what's the what's the city's role in facilitating this conversation um, so what from what I know that's going on right now and what we talked about starting last year among a small group of us, um, certainly Bloomington and Normal together. It could be the mayors. It could be somebody from the council. One or two people from the council would come together with a couple of faith leaders um, who are interested. Um, hopefully some people from the chamber. There would be a formal structure around that. And um, absolutely a timetable and an, and an end goal. And there is absolutely there is a role for the government in in making sure that 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 what we do is not exclusionary that that we that we also have our doors open. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. Go ahead, Justin. So, uh, what are some things that you want to accomplish over the next four years that you weren't able to accomplish over the last twenty? Um, I'd love you brought it up actually opening your shop in downtown Bloomington one stop shop we've talked about one stop shop until I'm ready to drop um, <laughs> um, we need to make it um, not just easy but you know interesting and and um, accessible to, to open open a business in Bloomington and um, to tap into resources to do that that's one thing I'd like to get done yeah. um, Another is to uh, continue to, to put some money, more and more money, into infrastructure. We have got to do something about looming pension costs. It's um, that, that, and that's in partnership with Springfield, but nevertheless, those costs are not going down. Um, those are probably my top three. Those are the three. Top, top ones. Okay. So, again, we're getting close to the end. What we usually want to make sure that you have the opportunity to do is say anything that you want to make sure the listeners get to hear, um, what, you know, any, any part of your platform that we weren't able to cover during the podcast, but also gear them uh, or steer them towards uh, where they can find more information, if you have a website or a Facebook. Sure. Um, I do have a Facebook page, um, Karen Schmidt for Bloomington City Council. I, I've i intentionally, I, my, for a long time, I've just had my Karen Schmidt Facebook page, and that's that's 100% all me. Sometimes it's city stuff. Sometimes it's, you know, goofy things that my kids did. Um, but I do have a campaign page and then I've also have a, um, a website it's um, www.cityblooming.com okay and um, have, have some other things that are out there as well 
Very good. Any parting words for? No, I listening? really appreciate this opportunity. I think it's it's uh, it's great to have this other venue. So, so Karen Schmidt is running for uh, re-election in Ward Six for the City of Bloomington. That election is on April second. Early voting uh, starts this Thursday. Uh, depending on when this podcast gets released, it may already be open. So, wow. <laughs> so uh, make sure you vote. And um, thanks for coming on, yeah, Karen. Thank really you so much. It. I appreciate it. That wraps up our conversation with Karen Schmidt, uh, current alderman for the city of Bloomington Ward 6, and she's running again uh, for the April 2nd election. So we're on our final downhill uh, slope to interview all these candidates for Bloomington and Normal. Uh, So stay tuned for some future ones coming up over the next several weeks. But we want to make sure we thank our sponsors, Play Normal Esports, located at 802 South Eldorado Road in Bloomington. Uh, Make sure to check out their Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. They have tournaments uh, monthly, as well as Overwatch and Call of Duty, Fortnite. They have something for everybody of every age. So make sure you check them out. You can find out more at playnormalesports.com. Before we get into our next ad, Justin, let's uh, do a little lightning round here since that's a tradition. I'm going to say a type of food, and you're going to tell me what uh, what drink you would like to have with it. Okay? Uh, I think I can do that. Okay. So pizza. Beer. Brats. Beer. Charcuterie. Charcuterie who? Sh- like uh, cheese and meats and stuff like that. Wine. Well, let's say there isn't any wine around. Definitely beer. Beer. Well, the good news is that all of those foods are going to be offered at Little Beaver Brewery now. No kidding. And you can now come down and uh, and enjoy some tasty snacks while you have your, your beer there. Let's go. We're getting close to the end, but I want to make sure we ask a, a couple of good questions. A couple, of, not that we haven't asked any good questions, but um, <laughs> I, what, what's okay. something 